0: Well, hey, good to see everybody this afternoon. Glad you're here. Glad you made it. And if you're new here at Centerpoint, I'm glad you came today. My name is John. I'm lead pastor here. Glad you're our guest. I really do hope you stop by the blue tables after service, and uh, we'll help you get connected here. So I wanted to start the message today with, uh, with an apology. So... Uh, it was about I think it was about seven years ago. Seven years ago, something like that. I decided I wanted to do a sermon series that I would call Roar. And uh, it was about how Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And uh, I thought, you know what? Since it's a, a sermon series called Roar about the lion of the tribe of Judah, I ought to show this footage that I have of a lion roaring. And I had some footage of a lion roaring. I'll tell you how I got it. I was on a missions trip. Uh, like eight or nine years ago, we went to Swaziland in Africa. And on the very last day of the trip, we had four hours or so of extra time. And so we decided to go into a, a, a safari park. And when you're over there in a place like that, that's like a dream come true. And you're hoping to see, a, you know, a giraffe or a or an elephant or, or at best a lion. And so anyway, we're in this van driving through this safari and looking to see what we could see. All of a sudden, we come around a bend and some of the people in the front of the van, started shouting out lion lion yes this is what we're here for and so we all jumped up and ran over to the left side of the of the van with our our video cameras rolling because this was before the iphone was even invented and so we, we went over to the side of the van I had my camera on I hit record it was rolling and there they were two majestic lions a male lion and a female lion Copulating. Yeah, as in hanky-panky, Nat Geo style, right by the side of the road. I mean, it was, it was going on, for real. And the camera was rolling. It was just all of us like, what are we seeing right now? Anyway, caught the whole thing on the, on the footage. And then a- after a little bit, the, the male lion sort of stepped away and turned his big old majestic face right towards our van and just went, roar, like this, this roar that was like, come on, you know, this roar that was like, what are you looking at? All in one sound. I mean, it was this crazy moment, all caught on tape. I had the footage. And, and so uh, a year and a half, two years later, when I was going to do a sermon series called Roar about the lion of the tribe of Judah, I just thought, oh, man, you know what? I, I have the footage of the lion roaring. <laughs> what could be better? And so I started off the service, and, and I kind of said, well, welcome to Center Point. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Watch this. All of it. <laughs> and there it was, all, all of that footage. I mean, oh, gosh. The things you do, right? Anyway, so after the service, someone came up to me and, and she said, I can't believe you did that. That was so inappropriate. And I don't know what happened to me at that moment, but it was like as though the filter was just like gone. It was just missing. All of a sudden, I snapped back. I'm like, what was it inappropriate when you were conceived? <laughs> oh. Oh. Hence the apology. <laughs> Took me a while, seven years. But you know what, does anyone relate to this, like those moments in life where you just, bleh, and you're like, oh, no, 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 come, 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 get back in there, and you can't, you know, because it's already out there, you've already done it, you've already said it, you can't take it back. You wish you could delete the whole scene, but you just, you know, went there. For me, I think about that moment, and I think, why did I say that, why did I say that, and I think it was because I forgot who I was. I forgot who I was, I forgot in particular that uh, I'm the pastor, I probably ought to say something considerate and gentle and appropriate <laughs> but more to the point i think i forgot where i'm from do you know what i mean i think i forgot where i'm from in the sense of what we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes that that i really am somebody about whom jesus says you are not of this world somebody about whom jesus says You're you're part of my kingdom, and my kingdom's not of this world. Somebody about whom it's true that, like we read in Philippians 3.20, your citizenship is in heaven. I think I forgot where I was from. What I wanted to say to you today, if you could take this message in, is simply this. Let the words you say reflect the world you're from. Let the words you say reflect the world you're from. You're from and this is not j- just you know m- my bright idea, this is something that after thinking about James chapter 3, I- is what I feel like God wants me to bring today. Let the words you say reflect the world you're from. So, I want you to turn to James chapter 3 and, and turn there now to James chapter 3. This is the fifth week of basic training. We're going through the book of James together and we're just letting the, the Straight up wisdom of God's word give us direction for our lives. And so uh, the thing is, as you turn into James chapter 3, you might have noticed by now that James is a book in the Bible where it it seems to come across kind of harsh, you know? It, It seems like every other page in James is saying, stop doing this, start doing that. You're not doing this right. You're not doing that right. And and, and it's actually so severe and harsh in the tone that when the Bible was first being canonized, that is, put together, and and the group of the elders of the church in the first and second century were determining what's going to be in there, early leaders in the church debated for weeks about whether or not to even include the book of James. Because the book of James, it, it seems to be lacking grace, And it makes it feel like everything's about what you have to do. And so I want us to just make sure that we step back to the big picture for just a moment before diving into James. And the big picture is that if we are believers in Jesus, we are standing on the grace of God. Our sin is forgiven. Our shortcomings are covered by the blood of Jesus. And any way in which we have a long way to go and we're missing the mark is covered by Jesus. And that's good news. Amen. Oh that was the most unenthusiastic amen I've heard all day. Yeah, yeah. It is good news that we exist. We live in the grace of God. So that when we read something like James that seems to say, you're not doing this and you got to do that." We can we can step back and big picture it for a minute and go, "I know this 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 is a strong word, but the overarching word is the word of of value and redemption and unfailing love from God. And, and when I have that in mind, I then can step up to say, okay, this is kind of a, 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 a direct word, but I can take it because I know that I'm standing in God's grace. So, all right, enough of a preamble. Let's jump into the scriptures in James chapter 3 because the word of God has something for us today about, uh, about what we say. Let the words you say reflect the world you're from. James chapter 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly, i.e., do not project lion copulation videos at the beginning of your sermon. You will be judged. (laughs) Oh. It's like, I'm sorry for the things I said when I was hungry, except... Mine is, I'm sorry for the things I said when I was stupid. I mean, it was a bit more like that. Those who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues. Oh, would you just say that phrase with me? That that phrase, if we could, say it. For if we could control our tongues. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Okay, so for starters, let's just make sure we're on the same page. The scripture here is using the word tongues... But, but it's tongue in an emblematic sense. It's not literally about just your tongue. It's about what you express. It's about what you communicate. It's about what you give off. It's about what you say. Any form of communication. What you type out. What you thumb in. I mean, it's about what we're projecting in every sense possible. So I want us to take to heart what we hear in this part of the book of James in light of that, that, that it's about all of our kinds of communication. Yes, the word tongue is what's used in particular, but it's about whatever we're going to say. But I also want you to catch what we just saw in the second verse, because it said, if we could control our right, tongues. Everyone say if. If. Yeah, if. If means that. There's possibility and there's implication. If means that there's the implication here that a lot of us don't control our tongues. And that might be the reality. It might just be that a lot of the trouble that we're in is because we haven't caught that if and done the learning about controlling our tongues. But if also implies possibility, as in it is possible to learn to control the tongue. That's good news. And, and I hope that we could understand the, the reason why God is calling us to, to be those who learn to control the tongue. And it has everything to do with the power of communication. So can we just take, take to heart that the scripture is here revealing to us how powerful communication really is. What we communicate, what we say can be so powerful. There's two analogies that we read through really quickly. The, the one was the horse with the bit and bridle, and the other analogy was the rudder of a big ship. And before we quickly just go, yeah, yeah, okay, horse with a bit and a bridle, rudder of a ship, I got it. Next, let's make sure we understand what's really being said here. Think about it. A, A bit and bridle in a horse allows you to take all of the energy, all of the strength, all of the ability of that horse and to then move with it over a lot of territory and to cover a lot of ground and to move at a great speed and to get where you're really wanting to go. And in a sense, what the word of God is revealing is your communication is that powerful. Your communication gives you the ability to harness an amazing amount of energy and to harness that energy, that strength to go a long distance and to get where you really want to go. That's part of the revelation. Do you see it? And the second analogy is the rudder of a ship. And, and the rudder, relative to the size of the ship, is pretty small. But man, it turns the whole ship in a new direction. And the Spirit of God is, in a sense, saying, your communication is like that. Your communication has the ability to change the whole direction that you're going to move in. You don't like what's going on in the circumstance. You don't like what's happening in the relationship. Change the way that you're speaking about it. Change the way you're communicating within it. It is that powerful. Your communication has the ability to take you in a completely new direction so that you will end up where you actually want to go. Do you see that revelation? Don't devalue it. Recognize that God's spirit through James is saying, see it your communication's amazing. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. I mean, that's just what God's word is revealing, that there's so much capacity in your communication. God's made you and me powerful, and one of the ways that powerful quality shows up is in what we say with our mouth, with what we type, with what we communicate, with what we give off, and if you and I Want to see the good things that we envision and dream up for our lives take shape. We need to harness the energy and capacity. We need to shift the direction of our communication. So I had this thing with one of my kids a, a few weeks back. Just when summer first started, where it just seemed like every other thing out of his mouth was something hyper-negative. He was like, I can't believe that we only have seven weeks of summer. I'm so bummed out that school's going to start so early in August, and I can't stand the fact that I have two AP classes, and it's going to be a bunch of useless stuff. Everything I'm going to learn at school is going to be useless. I'm never going to use any of that dumb math ever in my life. Have any parents ever heard those words? Uh, It's like everything coming out of his mouth was so negative. I'm not going to have any free time. All I'm going to do is study all day long, every day. There won't be time to do anything fun. I was really getting tired of it. (laughs) And I was like, hey, listen, um, I need you to change things up. It's turning the whole air atmosphere sour, you know? And, and And I said to my son, you need to know this. Your words create worlds. And right now, your, your words are creating a very negative world, both for yourself and for everybody else in the room that has to hear you. And I said, your words create worlds. And, and he said, oh, okay, Dad, so I can like say, oh, I believe I have a dollar, $100 bill in my hand. It's not there, Dad. It doesn't work, right? Anyway, I'm like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the world out here. I'm talking about the world in here. And, and I explained to him that you know, when, when you say negative things over and over again, You're creating neural pathways in your brain that are negatively oriented, predisposing you to view things through a lens of negativity, causing you to actually experience your reality as something negative and probably likely to lead you into a negative outcome in that same reality. That's just the truth. And I said, on the other hand, if you would begin to say things that are positive and say things that are full of hope and say things that are good, you're going to create neural pathways in your brain that are going to predispose you to experiencing things in a positive light. And that's going to cause you to actually give off something positive that's going to take you in a better direction. I wanted him to know that it's crucial. He just sort of rolled his eyes at me, and that was that. Anyway, (laughs) so a few days later, though, I heard him talking about his cell phone, and he was saying, oh, my phone is such a piece of junk, and it was like the sixth time that the screen was cracked, and i have just been... uh, I'm not changing a screen for the sixth time. I'm just not. So he lives with a broken screen, he's complaining about his phone. He's like, I need a new phone. I saw the opportunity. I said, well, here's what I'll do. If you would be willing to change how you talk for the rest of the summer and stop all of the negative talk and give me a two-to-one ratio of positive to negative... I'll get you a new phone at the end of the summer. I'll keep a tally, though, on my phone. I'm gonna get, And uh, he, he, guess what I've heard the last two weeks? I've heard, I can't wait for school, Dad. I'm so excited about my classes, Dad. I can't wait for all the homework. I'm so looking forward to all the reading I'm going to do every day, Dad. <laughs> Who's winning? <laughs> it's not a bribe. It's positive reinforcement. That's what that is. Oh, man. But I, I want it, But as, as we've been doing this, I have said to him, I know you're kind of just doing this because you're trying to get the phone, but doesn't it feel different? And he kind of sheepishly acknowledged, yeah, it it actually does. And and I think it's important that we recognize here in James, we're getting a revelation about the capacity of our communication to do something. It it is like the bit in the horse's mouth. You can harness a whole lot of capacity to move and do something that you really want to do. It's like that rudder. You can change the direction of things by how you begin to speak about it. Either you will believe that God's word is true about this or not. But what I'm after today is that you and I would, would learn to let the words that we say reflect the world that we're from. So let me continue to read here because James doesn't stay on that positive side of things for very much longer. Uh, James 3:5 is as says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. How do you really feel, James? Gosh. But, you know, this phrase, it, it can set your whole life on fire, your, your tongue, right? And, and it made me think of the book of Acts, where Acts chapter 2 talks about God's vision for the human community and this experience of tongues, of fire. And those tongues of fire are are tongues that are so taken by the supernatural reality of God's goodness that those tongues are speaking about the glory of God and speaking life and speaking encouragement, and speaking prophetically. and, and, And that's God's vision for what can happen with our communication with our tongue. But what we're seeing here is that there's there's an alternate reality, a, 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 a an idea that the devil has in mind for our tongues. It would be tongues not of fire, but tongues on fire. And tongues on fire are tongues which are are doing a whole lot of spark speaking. Spark speaking, which cuts somebody down. Spark speaking that devalues people. Spark speaking that's about gossip and slander and lying, deceit and insult. And, And James is, in a sense, saying, look, if you do a whole lot of spark speaking like that, it's not just you having a bad day. There's something about that that is hellish. I know it's strong language, but it's just the truth. James is saying, you don't know what you're messing with. It's not just you being a little bit negative. It goes way deeper than that. There's something hellish about that. And, and I think it's important that we get it. But, but look at look what we just read in, in verse 5 again. It said, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. A, t- a tiny spark It set a great forest on fire. Think about a forest for a minute. A forest is something inherently good. You know, a forest is an inherently good thing because it's, it's got a healthy ecosystem. There's support. There's a resource. There's protection. There's provision. There's connection. A forest is something so inherently good, and it can be massive in its goodness. But even something so massive and so inherently good can be destroyed by a spark Just a little spark. And and in a sense, the the revelation in the scripture here is that the forest of goodness that God has established for you can be destroyed by a little spark. A little spark speaking. I want to take that to heart. I mean, think about your family for a moment. Your family is kind of like a forest, right? I mean, your family is is like a forest in that sense of there's a healthy connection. And here's a picture of a family family. this family is together and, and there's support, they're connected, there's love, there's uh, there's community. I mean, everybody's smiling. Even the dog is smiling. I mean, this is, it's good, right? This is a, a, like that forest, right? It's so good. And it could stay so good, but a A forest of goodness like this is easily destroyed by just a little bit of spark speaking, spark speaking of, I just hate you, spark speaking of, you're just such a letdown, spark speaking of, you just never can do anything right, spark speaking of like, I wish you were more like him, spark speaking of, if you could only do this, spark speaking of, you're such a loser, spark speaking of every kind until the whole thing is just destroyed. You know, we we need to take to heart what God's word is saying. Don't worry, it's on a piece of metal, and we have many firemen in our church. I know we're in good, good hands. And also, for the record, that was an eye stock photo. No real family was harmed or burned by this sermon illustration. I will not be making an apology in six years. <laughs> yes, and I hope that we would take this to heart, because this is the kind of thing that James has in mind. Can you recognize the goodness of the, uh, of the forest, so to speak, that God has placed around you? And can you determine that it would be worth it to learn how to not spark that thing on fire? And so much of it has to do with the spark speaking that just so easily flies out of our mouths. I mean, all of us have probably heard this phrase, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, uh, but words will never hurt me. That's a bunch of lies, Uh, We've all discovered, right, the words are the worst things. The words do the most damage. They leave this permanent impression that kicks our butt. And God God wants us to, I think, learn to do words differently and to let the words we say reflect the world we're from. This is really where God's taking each and every one of us. It's important that we do it. I I met with a, uh, Ann and I met with a a friend recently who, you know, she and her husband have been married for about as long as we have been, and their marriage is completely on the rocks and looks like it might not make it. And we were meeting with the, the wife and just trying to see what kind of support we could give and, and listening to what's going on. And there's always two sides to everything, and, and we know that. But this, this wife, her heart was that she just wanted to hear The words, I love you. She just wanted to hear the words, you're valuable. She just wanted to hear the words, I'm glad you're my wife. She just wanted to hear the words, I'm so glad you're in my life. She just wanted to hear the words, you're awesome and and I'm grateful for who you are. She just wanted to be loved and receive the words of love. And instead, she got the opposite. She got those spark speak words that just cut down and devalue And the end result is someone whose heart is completely shut down. And and I wish I could say, well, but but we're going to be able to put it all back together. I'm sorry. It's hard to put back together a forest that got burned down. And, And I think about the other side of the equation. I know the guy on the other side of the equation. He's a brother. He's a believer. He's someone who has his citizenship in heaven. But I think it's like as though he forgot where he's from. And he forgot to talk like where he's from. He, he, he didn't remember the sound of heaven. And so it didn't show up in how he talked with his family. I mean, the sound of heaven. Think about it for a minute. The sound of where you're really from, the sound of heaven, is characterized by the father, Zephaniah, for rejoicing over you with singing. The sound of heaven is marked by the words Well done, good and faithful servant. The the sound of heaven is marked by, come enter into your master's happiness. The sound of heaven is marked by the declaration, the proclamation of God's unfailing love over every shortcoming in your life and character. That's the sound of heaven. And so when I say, let the words you say reflect the world you're from, that's what I'm talking about. It might just be that the forest of God's goodness that you currently have May be saved from destruction if you take this to heart. Yeah. I will let the words I say reflect the world I'm from. That's, that's the, the posture I hope you would take as a result of this. So, so, James is about to tell us, though, how hard it is to do that. And so, that's what comes next in, in, in James uh, chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Well, yeah, people can tame all kinds of animals birds, reptiles, fish. (laughs) But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Do you see what James is addressing here for real? He's really talking about identity, isn't he? Because he says, look, can, can a fig tree produce grapes? And does a grapevine produce figs? It's like, look, if a fig tree makes grapes, you got an identity problem. And so what's really happening is the spirit of God through James is saying, can you remember who you really are? Can you remember your identity and talk like it? Here's who you are. You are a forgiven child of God. So, so speak words of mercy and forgiveness over other people. You are a redeemed child of God. God saw the value in you and spoke your value over you. So do likewise. Be who you are. You are a born-again Christian. That is that you live in the reality of the ultimate second chance. So remember who you are and speak second chances and new beginnings over other people. You are a believer who's filled with hope because of the Holy Spirit. Speak words of hope over the circumstances. Circumstances of your life over the people in your life. Be who God has called you to be. Let the words you say reflect the world you're from. Somebody say amen. This is what we're called to, to be who we really are and to not be mixed up in an identity crisis that leaves us speaking a bunch of garbage because it's too easy to do that. It's too easy to just spray a bunch of poison. It just is. I had a a section of my front yard where the grass all died, and so a few months ago, I, I dealt with it. And I, long story short, I put the, you know, put the grass seed in, and, and and then it came up. Long story short, nice lush green grass came up in that whole section. It's perfect. It's beautiful. It looks better than all the rest of the yard. And um, and then a few weeks ago, I go out there and I see this dandelion came up right in the middle of it. I walked over it and I looked at that thing and I said. And why I won't even tell you what I said because it's Sunday. But I, I, I said, I'm going to deal with this. And I went back in the garage. And I got my bottle of weed killer. And I came over to that thing and I blasted it with my weed killer. I took out all of my frustrations and anger and, deal, and, and right into that, that dandelion right there. And, and then I, I walked away vindicated. Anyway, a few days after that, I came out and I realized what in the world? I had a, like a one foot circle of dead grass there like, what happened? That's false advertising. That weed killer said it wouldn't kill the grass. So I ran back in, I got the bottle, and I realized I got the wrong bottle. I got the kill everything in its path poison rather than the, you know, anyway. It was what was inside of that bottle, though, that just came out and, and brought the destruction. And in a, a very real way, it's what's inside that's going to come out that's going to bring the destruction I mean, this is Jesus' idea. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus says this. He says, listen, this is the the reality you should know about. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Say the last phrase altogether, out loud. Ready, go. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Say it one more time. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Say it one more. What? What you say flows from what is in your heart. So the issue then is not so much about whether we will tame the tongue as about whether we will tend the heart. And so this is the challenge. Tend your heart. Tend your heart and, and fill your heart. Fill your heart with gratitude for what has gone right in your life. Fill your heart with appreciation for who God is as the majestic awesome mighty God who's created the universe fill your heart with gratitude for the people around you it's so easy to get cynical and snide and critical of people isn't it that's so easy it's cheap Do something higher and better. Fill your heart with a story of how good they are, how amazing they are, what they did right. I'm sorry that people got you in a little circle and started saying, (laughs) and you took it in, but it's in there, and you need to get rid of it, because it's not honoring God. It's bringing destruction. It will come out as poison, and it's time to tend the heart. Search my heart, oh God, and see if there's anything wicked that got in there by way of words. And God, I'm going to give it out to you. So it doesn't get out to them. Tend the heart. Fill the heart. Fill the heart with divine presence. Fill the heart with divine presence so that that divine presence comes out when you begin to interact and speak. Fill the heart with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of the living God. Because there may be moments where something begins to go down. And, but then if your heart is full of the Holy Spirit, then the fruit of the spirit of self-control will be right there. So that you can do what the psalmist says, set a guard in front of my mouth, God. This is what we're made for, to tend the heart. Makes it a whole lot easier than than taming the tongue. So so we're talking about letting letting our words reflect the world that we're from. And I hope that we would do this. It's what the people around us in our lives really need from us. James 3 verse 13 says... If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life and doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Someone say, prove it. Prove it. <laughs> this is one of the reasons why people wanted to take the book of James out of the Bible. Because <laughs> that's harsh, isn't it? Oh you, oh, you say you're godly? Prove it. But there it is. Like, let it show up. Let it be seen. Let, it, let there be some evidence of it. And don't you know it does come through in what we say? Don't you know it does come through in what we refrain from saying? Verse 14, but if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth by boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. You ever go over to your refrigerator and you just need some milk for your cereal and you got the cereal bowl already ready, you already have the spoon in the cereal. You go over to the fridge and you're like, "Ah, got it. And you have this big gallon of milk, it's just like a couple inches down below the top." You're like, "Yes." And you take the milk out and you you pour it into the bowl, but but you didn't notice the expiration date. And it looked real good. But then you got a little close to the cap and it's like pure rotten nastiness that came out of there. And you ever met a person a little bit like that? It, it looks good from a distance. It's like, hey, nice uh, full gallon of milk. Yeah, it's totally expired. <laughs> but it's selfish ambition and jealousy. It, those things mm, do so much damage. Maybe you've seen it. I know I've seen it. I've seen it up close and personal. When I've, I've watched a person move from, on one hand, there's, there's a healthy kind of ambition that's about, hey, I want to do something great in this world. I want to make a difference. I want to make something happen that's going to be awesome. That's awesome. That's good. Healthy ambition. But selfish ambition is something totally different. How can I get more for me? And how can I make it and me better? And how can I get more for myself and make sure they don't get as much? And, man, when, when that starts happening in the heart, there's going to be problems. And it does lead to disorder and evil of every kind. I've seen it happen up close and personal where the switch just flips and all of a sudden somebody's nursing a jealousy and a selfish ambition that carries that person over into a a way of living that will result in evil of every kind. It just happens. And that's what... I think God is wanting for us to not experience and so, so I'm saying let the words you say reflect the world you're from so let's find out about the world we're from and that's what comes next in James three seventeen. it says but the wisdom from above is first of all pure wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure it is also peace-loving gentle at all times willing to yield to others it is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds it shows no favoritism it's always sincere and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness verse 17 again this is with the wisdom from above another translation says the wisdom that comes down from heaven Heaven. It's like the scriptures here saying, "Oh, let me just give you a little peek into what heaven is like. Let me just give you a little bit of insight about the culture of heaven. Let me give you a little description of the culture of where you're really from." That's what this is giving us a little peek into. The culture of heaven. The culture of heaven is marked by these you know, six or seven things that jumped out at me. It's, it's, first of all, it's pure. There's a purity that comes from the reality of heaven. And, and when that purity gets more and more territory in my heart, there's something of the culture of heaven that's ready to start growing. It's also peace-loving because the Prince of Peace rules from the throne room of heaven, and his name is Jesus. And when the Prince of Peace has his way... I rise up to be one who's a peacemaker. It is also sincere. It's not fake. It's not filled with a lot of syrupy, sweet, plasticine pretending. It's sincere. It's authentic. It's not two-sided and double-timing. It's, it's sincere and, and it's gentle. Gentle and, and it's peace-loving, it's mercy-giving, it doesn't show favoritism, and it ultimately results in a harvest of righteousness. That's what it's like where you're really from. So let the words you say reflect the world you're from. Philippians 3:20, one more time. Philippians 3:20. And let's say it all together, the whole verse this time. Ready? Go. But we are citizens of heaven. Where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. You know, here's the deal. Jesus is coming back. We don't make a big enough deal out of it sometimes. But he is. He's going to return. And and the scripture here says, yeah, so let's eagerly wait for his return. Eagerly wait. And, And so to me, a picture of what it would look like to eagerly await his return would be like this. (laughs) <laughs> That's the kind of stance, spiritually, that, that we are meant to be in, like this. But it's kind of hard to be in this stance if all I'm doing is, you know? <laughs> we eagerly await for his return as our Savior. I, I want to I challenge you who are believers to, to take to heart the message you heard today and to let it be your own resolve. I will let the words I say reflect the world I'm from. And I believe God's gonna help me to do it. And, and, and I'm not talking about on Sunday morning on the patio for that quick seven minutes after church. I'm talking about Tuesday afternoon when you have that difficult moment with that colleague at work that drives you up the wall. That's the moment you need to let the words you say reflect the world you're from. I'm talking about on Wednesday night at the dinner table when it's been a really long day and all of a sudden this one starts going, yeah, that's the moment. You need to let the words you say reflect the world you're from. I'm talking about on Friday night when you were going to be having this particular experience with your significant other, but all of a sudden they do this instead. That's the moment to let the words you say reflect the world you're from. And we got to pray that God would help us, don't we? I, or am I the only one? know, <laughs> But that, that we could pray together, God, help me to actually live this out. And, and when we step back, we realize... what. What I really need is to tend the heart. I need to fill my heart with more of your goodness, God. More of your spirit, God. So the fruit of the spirit and self-control would be there. So let's pray together that God would meet us in this moment and help us to live out the truth of his word. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. And it's just so direct. It's so straight and to the point. And, and, God, I want to acknowledge that um, I need to repent. I need to repent of ways that I have engaged in too much spark speaking. I repent of that, God. We together repent, God, for ways that we have we've just lit fires in how we've been talking with our kids or our parents or our colleagues at work, uh, our significant others, all of that. God, we, we repent. Just right now while we're praying together, I want you you do that? Just take a moment and repent and just say, God, would you forgive me for, for speaking in ways that the word of God says are hellish? Just ask him. I mean, that's not so that you can feel guilty. That's actually so that right now you can feel free. <laughs> so just ask him, God, would you forgive me for that? And then would you just begin to pray and say, God, would you help me to live a new way with a heart that's more and more full of you, more and more full of your love, so that I could speak in ways that reflect the world that I'm from, the heavenly country that one day I will make my home in. And now while we're praying together, I want you to just think about the reality of heaven and the sound of heaven. You you can imagine it. Heaven, you've got... The voice of God, like many rushing waters, thundering over you. And it's declaring, this is my beloved daughter. This is my son that I'm pleased with. My forgiveness and love covers everything about you. You can hear the sound of the Savior saying, enter into your master's happiness. You can hear the the heavenly father rejoicing over you with singing, just saying, you are my beloved, you are my beloved. I mean, I don't know exactly what it's like, but this is the sound of heaven. It's a different kind of a sound. Let the words you say reflect that world, the world you're really from. But, but first, for some of us, what we need to do in this moment is deal with the pain of the words and the damage that has been done to us from so many words errantly spoken. And right now, while we're praying, listen, there's a lot of us that this is the truth. We, we live with, with these memories of people saying stuff to us that just cut us down so bad. We live with these memories, we just can't get it out of our heads, of when they said that, and it seems like it defines our existence and I want you to know that that's not from God. And I want you to be able to be healed. And, and maybe this would be a first step in healing, but take a moment right now and hand that stuff off to God. And maybe in this moment you could just simply say, God, I give to you the pain I feel from the words that I've taken in that were spoken over me by her, by him, by them. Would just... Say, God, I give the pain of all of that to you. And just imagine all of those words, the sentence that just rattles around in your brain again and again. Just imagine that sentence and those words and just putting it up into the hands of God right in this moment. That insult, that cut down, that diss that just seems to have shaped you so much. Just take it out, hand it to God. Watch him just take it away. And watch him, it's like I see him turning it into a paper airplane and hurling it out over the sea of forgetfulness. And, and let it be gone now. And then would you just simply say, and now God, would you fill my heart with new words? Words that come from you. M- maybe the word is simply loved. Maybe the word is forgiven. Maybe the word is reborn. Maybe the word is. I make all things new. Maybe the word is second chance. Maybe the word is worthy. Maybe the word is so valuable. Would you just take a moment right now and say, God, what do you think of me? Ask God that question and see what you hear. Just say it. Whisper it. God, what do you think of me? Just do it right now. God, what do you think of me? I hear the Lord saying, I think you're an amazing catcher. I saw a picture of you, the catcher's mitt. I I hear God saying, "I, I think you're the one who gets the trophy. I hear God saying, I see you as completely clean. What do you hear? Just ask him again. God, what do you think of me? Let your heavenly father redefine the words that fill your heart. Thank you, God, for speaking to us so that we can tend to the heart. Makes it a whole lot easier when it's time to tame the tongue.